Good morning, GT Church. Awesome. I am so glad that you are here today. Uh, I believe God has something for you this morning. Uh, as Maritza said, it's been full weekend. Uh, we've had amazing, amazing times together in this building, Friday night and Saturday, and now you're here today. And I'm glad you're here. For anybody who decided to stay home or sleep in on a rainy Sunday morning, they're going to miss out today. I, I know it because God's got something for you. Welcome to our online audience. I uh, love you so much. So glad that you can join us by way of our streaming service. Uh, welcome to GT North. We love you guys at GT North. Let's give it up for our GT North family. Excited for you guys to have your first ever Christmas Eve services in your own home, right? GT North has a home. It's called the church building, and we, this is a, an amazing year. What a momentous year it's been uh, for us. So, man, we're excited. We're believing God for you guys at North to have an amazing Christmas season, for, for God to move, for a fresh wind of a spirit to blow uh, there as it is here, and just expecting great and awesome testimony to come out of uh, the next few weeks of celebrating Jesus. Uh, so if you haven't been with us for the last uh, five weeks, we have been exploring a teaching series uh, called Encounters. And we have been leaning into the stories in the Gospels. Uh, if you're new to the church, the Gospels are the stories of the life and teachings of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible. And we have been leaning into uh, different narratives, different stories where someone in the, the life of Christ has a significant life-changing encounter with Jesus. And we've been looking at different uh, of those stories and asking, what is it that we can take from it? What do we learn from it? And how do we apply that to our lives? We looked at uh, men like Nicodemus and Zacchaeus. We looked at the calling of the first disciples. We looked at the woman at the well uh, last Sunday, Lazarus. And so today, we, uh, it's going to be a bit of a shift uh, in this series. We've been looking, like I said, at stories where people had encountered Jesus. Today, we're going to shift our focus away from someone having an encounter with Jesus, but we're still going to look at an encounter. Uh, this is a supernatural encounter that we'll examine today, but it's of a different sort. And I'm excited for what God might want to say to you, what he might say to you through what I say or beneath what I say. God always has a way of speaking through his spirit to his people. And so I want you to Ready your heart to receive from the Lord whatever it is that he wants to say to you today. Um, before I jump into the message, let me ask you a question. Have you ever uh, been part of a big announcement of some sort where, where you're part of a company or an organization and they have a new product that they want to launch into the marketplace? And they typically, when you do that, you want to build some hype or some fanfare around that new product launch so that you get the, the market excited for what's about to come. Anybody ever see something like that happen? You know, if you're a, an Apple user, they have an annual reveal where they, uh, they, they, they introduce this year's lineup of phones. They usually, I think more so in past history, they would have a big deal. They would announce it for a month, so you can't miss the big reveal, and we're going to introduce the new product. Samsung does it. Google does it. Lots of companies have uh, a bit of fanfare around a big announcement. We've done it at the church. You know, when we uh, announced that we would have a spectacular 
We started saying that in September. We did a little bit of a, a hoopla around it. Uh, when, we, when we announced to the church that we would build a permanent location for GT North, that came with some excitement. Uh, grand opening up there, more like you always, when you have something big, you want to wrap it in a bit of excitement. Big events deserve some fanfare. And the story, the encounter that we will unpack today uh, is an announcement of incredible magnitude, and it was accompanied with a bit of fanfare. And so I'm really excited. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. If you have a device, you certainly can um, open that as well and join me in Luke 2. All of the scriptures will be behind me, so if you didn't bring any device or any Bible, you can still join in and see what I'll be reading. And I'm excited to unpack this today because I think that God has something he wants to say to you. And so this is how Luke gives us this story. Now, if you're a church person, if you've been in the church for 10, 20, or 30 years, some of this you can recite from memory. And there's always a, a bit of a challenge for a preacher when you're presenting or preaching on a story that everybody's heard, everybody knows, you know how it goes, you know the ending, and so you're, you're always challenged with what, 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 can, what can I bring that you haven't already heard? Well, let's just, let's walk through this encounter together and see what God might say to us. And if, if you're sitting next to somebody that's brand new, don't be a spoiler today, Okay. Are you with me? Like, don't, like, whisper out, like, the next word or what's going to happen. Like, let them hang on the edge of their seat, because this is a pretty amazing story and encounter that we're going to look at today. So it says this, Luke writes this, in those days, he's speaking about the days before Jesus was born, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, a census uh, was where they were basically counting heads. Emperors and rulers liked to know how vast their kingdom was. And so they would oftentimes conduct a census where everybody in every town was counted so they could take a little pride in how big their kingdom was. And so there's a census being taken here of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now I want to pause for a moment there because it would be very easy to look at this and think because the census was a commonplace uh, affair back in the ancient world. We, we get something mailed to us today. We don't have to go anywhere. We just get it in the mail. We fill out our basic demographic information. And we, we let the government know we exist, right? Are you with me so far? Like, that's what a census does. It was the same back then. But in those days, you were required to go back to the, the home of your ancestors and register. And again, you might read that detail and think, well, so what? Like, why is Luke giving this, this detail? I want you to pause for a minute and consider that the God of the universe sometimes is ordering the events of secular history in order to accomplish his divine purposes in supernatural history. You know, you and I aren't just experiencing one layer of history unfold every day of our lives. We, we are watching linear history unfold day by day, week by week, month and years. Time is very linear, right? And it's, it lives, it seems to happen in one single plane. But you, you know as well as I do, most of you anyway, that while we are observing physical, tangible history on earth, God is oftentimes 
coordinating or working or orchestrating the events of mankind to work out his supernatural purposes for this earth. If you're with me so far, say amen. This census is no different. Again, you might say, well, yeah, they, were, they wanted to count heads for tax purposes or to take pride in the size of their kingdom. I would submit to you today that we should also consider the possibility that the idea for a census at this specific time in history might have been birthed in the heart of the Caesar by the Holy Spirit himself. Because God was bringing about the affairs of man such that prophetic writings that were given to man 700 years earlier could be properly fulfilled in the right timing and in the right location. And the birth of Christ had been prophesied some 700 years earlier in the book of Micah. The prophet Micah, had, we'll read it in a minute, had told us where the Messiah would be born. And if this census hadn't been given at just the right time that required Joseph and Mary to return to his ancestral home, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah himself, might have been born in the wrong location. And so don't overlook a detail as trivial as a census when this is the God of the universe managing the affairs of man to bring forth his supernatural purposes. It says this in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. <clears throat> Again, 700 years before Jesus would be born, Micah wrote this, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. Now listen to these words whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Micah says that out of Bethlehem someday will come a ruler over Israel whose origins are of old. If I would just call your attention to a, an obscure verse in John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus, having a heated exchange with the religious leaders, says these words. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, claimed to be more than just a human being. And now Micah, 700 years before Jesus would even breathe oxygen, he says that out of Bethlehem will come a ruler whose origins are from ancient times. All scholars agree this is a prophetic writing about Jesus, the Messiah. But if the census hadn't happened, Jesus might have been born in Nazareth or in some other town not where Micah said he would need to be born. Unbelievable. So in verse four, it says this. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth, where he was in Galilee, to Judea, the town of Bethlehem, which is the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. This is God ordering circumstances. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And then Luke says this, while they were there. Now again, I would just, again, pause for a moment to consider that phrase, while they were there. I shared with the church a couple weeks, uh, three weeks ago, if you missed week two of this, I would encourage you to go find it on our website, our archives, and watch it. I shared 
with you a while we were there moment in my life and Kate's life. 20, almost 20 years ago, while we, were, while we were just in Brooklyn, while we happened to be there, God called us to ministry. And I would submit to you that you might even be in a while I was there moment right now. God might be fashioning something to happen in your life this very Sunday morning, and you are about to be surprised by what God might say to you or do in your life. And for you and for us, we're like, well, I just, I just happened to be there. You ever say that phrase like, well, we just happened to be there. Well, if you're serving the God of the universe, there may not be a happen to be there in your life. There is no coincidence, and God is ordering not just the affairs of man, but the steps of the righteous, the Bible says. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So what if God has ordered your steps that you would be sitting in this very room or joining us online right now to hear something that the Spirit of God wants to speak to your heart today? He has ordered your steps. Verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So the birth of Christ. You might say, well, that doesn't sound like fanfare, <laughs> right? Like, and, and I've even, if you're on social media, sometimes you see people critiquing different things in the church. Like we're going to, we're having a celebration this week and we are celebrating the birth of Jesus with a spectacular and I've seen people being critical like, well, Jesus was born in very humble beginnings. He was born all alone with his parents, with the cows and the sheep and the donkeys, and they were in a, a stable. Jesus was laid in a manger, and where's the fanfare? Where are the lights? Like, why all the fancy lights? Why all the, like, he had humble beginnings. Yes and no. Okay, the fanfare is coming. So again, if you, if you know the story, don't spoil it for your neighbor because I love this. And I want you to also catch on to this, that God is about, <clears throat> excuse me, God is about to deliver the single greatest reveal of all time. You know, today, you know, young couples, they do what's called a gender reveal, right? Like many of you have done this, you watch it on Facebook, your, your friends say, Somebody will hit a golf ball, and if it explodes with blue or pink powder, we know what we're having, right? Like, those are big reveals, right? But God is about to make the biggest announcement of all time. And he brings it to the most unlikely recipients. Again, if you or I were up in heaven ordering the, the events of mankind, we probably would have drawn it up a bit differently. We might have thought, well, man, like, this is the biggest news ever brought to planet Earth. Why wouldn't you bring it to, like, the kings of the Earth? Why wouldn't you deliver this to the religious leaders of the day? Like, God, this is the biggest deal ever. Why would God deliver this news to a couple of guys taking care, taking care of sheep by themselves in a field? Can I remind you today, in case you've forgotten, that God isn't always predictable. You and I would love to be able to predict what God's going to do next in our lives. Wouldn't that be nice? Come on, somebody. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, I know the end of this story. I know what God's going to do. I know what job I'll have. I know what person I'll marry. I know how many kids I'll have. 
Wouldn't it be nice if God just like gave us the script ahead of time? God doesn't work that way. God's not always predictable. And he's about to make the, the greatest announcement ever made to some of the most unlikely recipients of all time. This is how Luke gives us the story. Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Sounds like a Christmas song, doesn't it? So beautiful. And then it says this in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Under the cover of night, these shepherds minding their own business, hanging out with the sheep, and all of a sudden, an angel breaks through the darkness of the night in brilliant splendor. Now, I picture him not even landing on terra firma. In my, the way that my brain tells me the story that the angel just hovers over the shepherds. He's just, he just hanging out in midair. And the shepherds just kind of like having their, doing their thing. And all of a sudden, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord, glory means brightness and splendor. It wasn't like the angel came with a subtle appearance. The greatest announcement of all time deserves a bit of fanfare. The angel comes in brilliant splendor. This angelic intruder in the darkness of their night comes. And it says, hold on, my iPad just broke. I've got to go back to Samsung, sorry. I heard the gasp in the front row. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And you, might, you might wonder, why, why were they scared? Like, an angel, like, that's pretty cool. I'd like to see an angel, right? Like, you, if, you're a, if you're a Bible reader, you would know that from cover to cover, the stock reaction to angelic visitations is terror. Because almost every time that an angel appears to a human, their first words are, do not be afraid. Dear own investigation, almost every time an angel presents themselves to a person, they lead off with, don't be afraid. And they're, they're, they're just terrified. They're like, again, imagine these shepherds just doing their thing. They literally live in the field. They don't go home during the day and come out at night. They live with the sheep. They smell like the sheep. They, they live in these little temporary makeshift shelters. They're living, living under the open sky, and they're, they're trying to sleep. They, all they hear are the, the, the bleeding of the sheep. Their ears are trained to pay attention to intruders. If there's a a pack of wolves nearby, like these shepherds were trained, they got the staff, they got the nook on it, like they're, they're trained shepherds. And out of the middle of the darkness of the night, a supernatural intruder invades their space. Talk about fanfare. You talk about splendor and excitement. I can't even imagine what they must have been thinking in that moment. Imagine the sheep. Like put yourself in the, the, the hooves of the sheep for a moment. Got to be creative when you think about the Word of God, right? And I'm thinking like, like Barry, the sheep, says to Glenda, you know, next to him. They're standing up taking a nap at night. And, and Barry looks at Glenda. He goes, this is bad. <clears throat> I know, that was also bad, too. I, I get it. But you, you can't leave out the obvious. Anyway, um, <clears throat> sorry. 
Sorry, not sorry. I enjoyed that. But it says this. So, so now, again, you got the scene in your head, right? There's, there's shepherds, there's sheep. Now there's an angel in the air. And he's, again, giving the greatest announcement of all time. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of, where? David. How significant was that census? That this angelic visitor can reference Micah 5.2 when he makes the announcement to these shepherds. God ordering the events of mankind. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the Anointed One. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, if this was all that happens, this would make the evening news, right? Like if there was a Jerusalem Times of that day or there was some kind of news outlet, this would have made the front cover. Angel visits shepherds in the field, right? Like this, we would still be talking about this today. An angel invaded space and presented this announcement. Luke would have still included it in his gospel. It's a pretty big deal, but the fanfare isn't over. Because significant events deserve significant fanfare. And the story isn't over. This is how it goes. It says, suddenly. Everybody say the word suddenly. Anybody have any, anybody in this room that is easily startled? Raise your hand. Right, like something unexpected happens or you're walking down the, if, if you're a GT, you're walking down the office and we've got a, we have, let me just be honest with you, we've got a couple of jumpy staff members, okay? We have a couple people that if I'm, if I'm walking down the hallway, I, I tend to walk kind of quickly and if I just like appear around the corner and one of our ladies, she's like, oh, oh they, like, they get easily startled by that. Anybody like that in this room? A lot of you are like that, okay? How about you're not like that, but you have a friend who is like that? Anybody ever have a friend that embarrassed them at a movie theater one time? All right? That friend in my life is also my wife. My wife is one of the most easily startled human beings on planet Earth. She is that person. This is no joke. And I did, I ran this by her before I shared with you, okay? There was a time, this is, this is like you're making this up, Scott. No, I am not. There was a time where she was watching a movie in a movie theater. And she was sitting in front of a few old ladies or behind them. And a scene comes up and, and she got so scared. She screamed so loud that the ladies threw their popcorn in the air. It literally happened. That's how easily my wife, she is, listen, Kate is Hall of Fame material for the easily startled. And so from time to time, we take advantage of that. Just a few weeks ago, like two weeks ago, um, I heard the garage door. My wife was coming home from work. And so I'm like, I don't know what came over me. I want to show her how excited I am to see her. I want to greet her by the door. So what does a loving husband do? I just go stand at the door. Now, we have a garage, and so there's a door 
that comes from the garage to our kitchen. So I'm just like, I'm just going to, because I love my wife so much, I'm just going to stand in front of the door. And so I literally just like six inches from the door, I just stand there. Just waiting to lovingly greet my wife. (laughs) And suddenly she opened the door and her, her eyes were down. And when she looked up, she literally screamed, ah, she screamed bloody murder. What do I do? We laugh. You know, it's funny. My daughter gets a kick out of this. Erilyn thinks it's the funniest thing ever. But so again, the suddenly for these shepherds, they're, they're in the field. They're, I don't think these are men that are easily startled, right? They're, they're accustomed to the night sky, like, but the, the angel breaks forth and, and now it gets even more grandiose. The grandeur of this announcement hasn't finished. This is what it says. Suddenly, Say the word suddenly. A great company of the heavenly host. This isn't just an ordinary host of people. It's the heavenly host. It says a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. So there's, there's Mr. Angel in the sky. It might be Gabriel, right? He's, he's the, typically the messenger of the, angel, the angels. He's the one that delivers information. And now behind Gabriel are a number of angels. It says, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now the fanfare has begun. And if you're ever wondering why, because if you're an inquiring mind like mine is, you're like, well, I wonder what that scene looked like. So you have one angel hovering in midair, how many more angels came? Now, the Bible never actually tells us how many angels God has created with the breath of his mouth, but it does give us a clue. The Bible does number the angels. If you were to look at Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, John says this of a scene in heaven. Okay, so we're right now we're looking at the scene on earth where the angel comes to deliver this news, but John in the Revelation is given the privilege to peer into heaven. And he's shown the throne room of God himself. And he's shown what's happening around the throne of God. And this is what John writes in Revelation 5.11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Now, for the um, for the the math challenged among us, ten thousand times ten thousand is one hundred million angels, and we don't even know that that's a complete number of angelic beings that God created. We just know that that's how many were estimated to be around the throne of God day and night, seeing, saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain from the foundations of the earth. Day and night, night and day, they stand before the throne of God, ascribing praise and worship to the creator of this universe. And so of that portion, I don't know how many, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, my imagination tells me it was thousands upon thousands of angels that slipped out of eternity into time. And stand behind the angel, and they say, glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth, 
on those on whom God's favor rests. This is the biggest announcement in the history of all announcements ever given to mankind. And it was given to unlikely recipients. I was, I was here on Friday night at our spectacular, and I, I had somebody walking out right over here, and she, she said to me, Pastor Scott, she's like, she said, the story's enough. You know, can I encourage us, and I, I'm going to share a few of my prayers for us in a moment, but as we are engaging with the Christmas season, can I encourage us that sometimes the story is enough? Because the story of God sending his only son to Joseph and Mary into a, a nobody stable, putting the son of the creator of the universe, God himself, into a manger. And then God sending thousands of angels to deliver this announcement to shepherds. That's enough. I love the lights. I love what, if you haven't been here, you're going to love it tonight. It's amazing. I love all that. We're not going to outdo what God did for his reveal, right? The, the Bible says they, they were arrayed in brilliant splendor. We can't outdo that. I think this deserves a little bit of fanfare, don't you? It's the greatest announcement, the best news that earth would ever have. And it was brought to these shepherds under the cover of night. Luke goes on to tell the story. He said this, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven. I don't know, Vince, like, did they see them slip into heaven? Right? I don't know. Like, did the angels just like, like a little mist of smoke and they're gone? Or did they actually get to see like the, the physical portal open? And did they see these Thousands of angels enter the supernatural sphere. I don't know. I, I don't know what they experienced, but it says, when they had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. There it is again, Bethlehem. How significant. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. So in this story, you have, you have very humble beginnings. You have Jesus, without fanfare, born in a manger. But just outside town, you have angels and all the fanfare that heaven can muster to announce that the God of the universe has come to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. He's here. So you have humble, quiet beginnings and the fanfare of all fanfares just outside town. And now these two things collide when the shepherds come to see what they had heard about. It says this, when they had seen him, they spread the word. You know, when you see something or, or experience something amazing, you tend to tell other people about it, right? Not if you're with me so far. Like that's when we, when we have a great meal at a restaurant, we go tell people about it. When we have a great experience, a great vacation, we come back, we're like, we tell everybody about it. That's natural. When you have a great experience, you want to tell other people about it. And it says the shepherds, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. 
And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Again, you have so many different like juxtapositions in this story. So the shepherds are running off to tell people about what they had just seen. Then it says of Mary, this, this lowly teenager. We don't know her age for sure, but she was a teenager. And it says of Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The, the original word there that Luke used is the Greek word synterio. And this is what it means, to preserve from being lost or forgotten. To keep within oneself. I wonder, some of you probably are holding on to some promises or words that God has given you, and you're still waiting for it to come true. You're still waiting for it to come to pass. You're still waiting for it to come to fruition. This is Mary. Now you understand Mary. She's like, this is, this is too great for me to understand. Teenage girl, conceived by the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, she gives birth. Now shepherds are coming to visit. It's like, what do, I don't even know what to make of this. And Luke says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Sometimes God speaks to us. He doesn't give us a revelation, doesn't give us a word so that we go and tell everybody. There are times where we should, where we should be telling everyone of what God has done. But then there are other times that God shows us something, reveals us something, something to us, and we just treasure it up in our hearts. We just hold it close for when the time is right for us to, to share that. Then it says, as the story ends, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. This is an incredible encounter. I mean, what an encounter. I, I think you would agree with me that these shepherds would never, ever be the same. And I would also suspect that they probably never stopped talking about what they saw that night. You imagine for the 34th time, Johnny the shepherd tells you the story. He's like, sees you in town. He's like, hey, did I tell you? Yes, you told us about the angel. You imagine how, what they would have done with that information over and over and over again, just because they want to tell people. I have a few prayers for us today, and then we're going to worship God through communion. If you, our musician wants to come to the keyboard. I have a few prayers for us as a church today. You know, I, I really thought about like, well, God, I, I, I felt strongly prompted to share this encounter with us today. And just to, like I've said throughout this whole series, just unpack the story and let the Spirit of God concern himself with what you and I each take from it. It's not always my job to tell you what I want you to take from this story. The Spirit of God is more than capable. <laughs> Would you agree with me? Amen, church. The Holy Spirit is more than capable of taking a beautiful, transcendent story and showing each person listening today how you apply it to your life. I don't have to always do that. We don't have to always tell you how this applies to your life. But I do want to tell you what I'm praying for us as a church. Number one, I'm praying that 
just like the shepherds, that God would restore the wonder of this story and miracle of Christmas in our lives. If we're all being honest, the, the difficulties, the trials, the adversities of life sometimes can cause the story of Christmas to lose its luster. And there's some of you here in this room who are facing hard circumstances. And the miracle of Christmas can sometimes just lose its luster. My prayer for us as a church family that over the next two weeks until two weeks on Christmas Day that that God would do a work in your life to restore the wonder of the miracle of Christmas. That, That you would over the next couple of weeks just have something supernatural stir within your spirit. That God would restore the wonder of Christmas. My second prayer is this, is that out of that wonder that you would become contagious in some way, just like the shepherds had become. I imagine they hadn't stopped talking about it till the day they died. What if the same charges on us, church? What if we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and we're charged now to take that wonder and share it with others, Right? Broadcast the greatest message and the greatest news of all time to those around us who need to know of Jesus and his love for them. My third prayer is this. So I pray that God restores our wonder. I pray that our wonder becomes contagious. And then the final prayer is this. I pray that God would take our wonder and turn it to worship. Because we're given the example in the Bible of worship. In fact, I, we don't get to the story in this, but magi, wise men from these would come and they would bow down and worship this baby. My prayer for the, the church today is that in this season, God would take our wonder and inspire worship. And we're going to do that right now. But it's a different form of worship. We're going to stand in a few moments and we're going to sing and That is one style of worship, but right now we're going to go into a different form of worship. It's called communion. And communion is a a type of worship because it's a, a recognition of what has been done for us. If you don't already have one of these cups in your hand, I want you to put your hand up and our our ushers will make sure that you can participate with us. So everybody in the room should have a little cup like this. If you don't, put your hand up and keep it up until somebody serves you. I see hands all over the the stadium seating as well. Thank you, team. If you're at home online, uh, head to the kitchen, grab a piece of bread, a cup of juice. It's not significant what you use. It's just, these are emblems. These are symbols of what we're about to recognize. So just grab something that makes sense for you at home. And I would say one more thing before we um, receive communion today. This bread and this cup is for believers. This is an injunction given to those who have made Christ their Lord. And you might be sitting here today. You might be holding this cup. And if you can't remember ever making the decision to invite Jesus to become the Lord of your life, 
I invite you to do that right now, this very moment. Pastor, what do I say? How do I do that? Like, I, this is compelling. I, I want to receive Jesus. I want to have my sins forgiven. I acknowledge that I'm a, a broken person. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. What do I do? You just say that to God. In the quiet of this moment, you're, you're sitting there holding this cup. You're like, oh, this is all a bit much for me. I'm a little overwhelmed. If you've never decided to make Jesus your Lord, in your own space right now, just say, God, I, I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I give my life to Jesus Christ. I invite him to be my Lord and my Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The Bible also says that when you do that, there's a party in heaven because you've made a decision to follow Jesus. And right now, before we step through this communion observance, you can decide to follow Jesus. In fact, I'm going to pray for you right now. And in, in your own words, you can pray, but I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. If there's someone in this room, maybe just one person, God, who hasn't yet received you as Lord, I pray now in this moment, they would say to you, God, that they are a sinner in need of a Savior and they commit their life to Jesus. Now, I know, God, that you are faithful to forgive us of our sins when we confess, and you will rescue them and save their soul in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna stay in the Gospel of Luke. Before I, before I read this, if you did make that decision today, in your own personal space, would you tell somebody, tell us, Stop by the hub today after service and let us know. We've got some information for you. We'd love to walk with you. This is what Luke says at the end of Jesus' life. So we just read what Luke said about the very beginning of Jesus' life on earth. And now we're going to read Luke's words towards the very end of Jesus' life on earth. Now you know that Jesus' life didn't start on earth and it didn't end on earth. He is transcendent. He's eternal. But Luke gives us these words it says when, in, verse, in chapter 22, when the hour had come, Jesus and his disciples had reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. What a promise Jesus says. He's not going to drink and take communion again until we're with him in heaven. Then it says this, after he took bread, after dinner he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take this little wafer and hold it in your hand just for a second. Again, you, you, are, you are, it says you're joined with all believers of all time. It's as if we are sitting at the table with Jesus 2,000 years ago. We are connected to Christ. He is the vine, we're the branches. We abide in him and he in us. And he says to us today, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the body of Christ today that he gave his life for us.
Jesus, as we receive this bread and take it into our bodies, we are reminded that you gave your body willingly for us as a sacrifice. You allowed them to beat your back and you allowed them ultimately to hang you on a cross as a payment for us to be whole and healed. So God, the only response that we would have is to say thank you for your broken body today. Thank you, Jesus. And then it says, Luke says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Paul would later say in his epistle to the Corinthians, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together and remember that Jesus shed his blood willingly as a payment for our sin. Would you stand with me today? God, we thank you. We thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are rescued and redeemed and restored and made whole and forgiven and set free. We've crossed over from death to life because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, God, all we can do is worship. I pray, God, that you would take our wonder and turn it to worship now as we lend our voices to praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords.